Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Hey, this is Matt Lesher. This is Phil Lamar. Hey, this is Rodney Taylor, a.k.a. The Penguin Gotham, and you are listening to Geek Vibes Live. Welcome, 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 Geek Vibes Nation, to a all-new episode of Geek Vibes Live, the first of the year. Um, welcome to our 2019 predictions. Um, we are going to be breaking down most anticipated, biggest box office, least anticipated, and who will have the better movie of the year. Um, but we have a lot more stuff to talk about than just that. Uh, but first, let me introduce my amazing co-host, Dane. What's going on, Dane? Welcome to Atlanta where the players play, ATL. That's all i got to say. Absolutely. Um, and it seems like, Dane, it might just be me and you, man, uh, bringing in the new year with Geek Vibes Live. Uh, but uh, you know, it would take, Juwan, it would take the all-stars, you know, of this whole entire shtick to, to get together for the new year. But... I'm sure that we'll have plenty of stuff to conversate about, you know? Absolutely. And, I mean, come on. Me and you can definitely d- destroy this show, so whatever. Uh, but without further ado, let's get right into it. Let's start off with some trailer talk. Uh, Jordan Peele, I believe it was on Christmas, gave us uh, the first trailer for his new movie, Us. Um, it- it's starred by uh, Lupita Nungwo and I, the guy who plays M'Baku. This is why Joel is important. I forget names. Uh, Winston Duke. I cannot remember his name to save my life. you remember his name? Is it Winston Duke? Is that uh, M'Baku? Boom. Thank you. Yep. Winston Duke. Perfect. Um, so, I mean, this movie looks crazy. Um, I personally took uh, – well, first of all, let me start off by saying – Bravo to Jordan Peele and his production team on making I Got Five on it sound like the Halloween theme song. Like, that thing sounded purely insane. Like, I got chills. Like, I don't think I can listen to that song, the normal version, ever again, because that's what's going to play through my mind. Um, But I, after watching that trailer, like, a few times, I was telling people, of course, Jordan Peele came out and said that this movie has nothing to do with race. I interpreted it differently than that. I felt as though it was on two ends, on two ends of the spectrum. It was usually, it was us fighting our worst selves, and I thought it was the idea of the notion of black people usually always bring themselves down. Uh, they're their own downfall. Um, that's how I took it, but I was telling someone, you could kind of see it from both ends, but if the director says it has nothing to do with race, I obviously have to believe him. Um, so it looks like it's more catered towards um, fighting the worst part of yourself. Um, but, Dane, I'm going to kick it to you. What did you think of the Us trailer, and what did you kind of take from it? Like, did you take battling your worst selves? Did you take race? Like, what did you take from seeing how insane <laughs> this trailer for this movie is? The trailer, you know, really blew me away. I was a big fan of his last film. Um, I thought it was awesome as far as an original horror movie concept. Um, 
this one looks like he's going in a different direction. I'm, I'm going to believe him for the most part. I, I feel like – I think that when it comes to Jordan Peele, um, you know, his, his, just go and judge him back to his show with Key, you know, the level of comedy and addressing very much like Dave Chappelle was beforehand, um, kind of racism or, or, or certain things between races and kind of making fun of that but trying to get over that concept as well – I'm wondering if this movie, he's just trying to say, hey, I did a good job making a horror movie. The last one had a message. This one, I'm just trying to have fun. But the way that you say it and interpret it, I could see you interpreting either you know, side of that. And if it is just the evil side to ourselves, I kind of like that. You know, If there's another meaning uh, past that, and he's not being 100% maybe honest about it now because he doesn't want to like disclose too much information involved in, you know, the story itself. That could be it too. I got a vibe, and this is a good thing, off a kind of trendy, but you know, they're usually done in a different way. Um, a, a trendy style of horror movie that goes back to I think the 50s, 60s with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm a huge horror buff, so I saw that even though I couldn't tell you anything about the movie. But then they also redid it in the early 80s with Donald Sutherland, Kiefer Sutherland's father, um, also known from Animal House and a bunch of other movies. And th- that was a really great remake. And then they kind of redid it in the 90s with The Faculty. Now, here's the thing. I don't know if it's an alien-style thing, but it seems like the premise is similar in the sense of these are copies, people are going missing, all of a sudden, you know, now, th- this family is exposed to it, and um, things keep on, like, changing in front of them. Like, before, they're noticing weird differences. Very much like, you know, all those movies, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Faculty, kind of got to. But, you know, I don't know if it's demonic. I don't know if it's, like, all going to be mental, like it was all in their head originally, like one of those type of spoofs. Or if it is, like maybe aliens like in those other past movies coming over and slowly but surely taking over things. I know that Jordan Peele is a huge fan of horror. I know one of the things I really appreciated about Get Out, besides it being original, was the cinematography because he was saying that he wanted to go back to doing, you know, people that inspired him were like Hitchcock cinematography and, and old school horror movies. And that's the same type of stuff that I also like. So, Whatever direction he goes in, I just am excited to see another horror movie. And then whatever we get done talking about this is just two of us. Also something that he's very ex- – or, well, I shouldn't say excited. Something that he wants to do that's also more of a big franchise-style thing that I'm hoping that after this he can get to. But we'll have to wait for this movie and see how it does box office to see if he's as – you know, as – if it wasn't just like a one-hit wonder, if you understand what I'm saying, get out. But I don't think it's going to be. But I'll, I'll kind of talk more about that after, you know, you want to say whatever you want about the trailer, obviously, Juwan. Uh No. Um, <clears throat> uh, the, the biggest thing that I took from, from what you were saying and that I agree with is when I originally saw Get Out, what I love mostly about his film is that I felt as though it was genreless. In the sense of, yes, were there suspense? Was there a little horror? Was there a little um, drama? It was all that. Was there comedy? It was all of that. But I felt as though Jordan had made something that was genreless to where it was like you couldn't define it by one thing. 
um, you know, he had humor in there, a lot of humor. Um, but it wasn't oversaturated to where it was just like, all right, man, this is like, come on, like, is this a comedy or are we watching a horror movie? Um, and what it looks like with this movie is is the same kind of feel, to where it could be genreless. Um, and I love when Winston Duke comes outside and he's like, you know, what does he say? You, you know, you want you want to get rough, like like that was that was humor and it, it worked in the sense of like. You know, like, what would you say to, like, five people that are just standing there just staring at you? Like, are you going to come say hello? Like, what, what are you doing? Um, but, yeah, to, to what you were saying about um, is it, you know, them fighting something within themselves, I originally thought, like, oh, man, like, the whole big thing of this will be them fighting their own demons, which is themselves. Um, but it seemed like only maybe they could see them. But then – I saw scenes where it looked like one of their friends that was on the beach with them was being, like, uh, attacked by one of the the alternate versions of them. So I'm like, now I don't know. Like, what if it ends to where it's like it was them all along, but they were, like, battling, you know, their own demons within themselves. Uh, but it wasn't like it was another person they were fighting. They were fighting themselves. Um, it's just it, – Jordan just looks like he he just fully – understands the idea of suspense, horror, um, and it's not what I what I really love about it. Is it's not your traditional, like, a lot of horror, and I'm pretty sure you can agree with this, Dane, a lot of horror movies in today's time is it's either purely suspense to where it's pop-up scenes or it's purely, like, someone getting their head cut off or someone being stabbed 30 times. Like, it's Absolutely. never a healthy blend of where, <clears throat> excuse me, everything leads in properly. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing that, that I love about him is that everything just blends so well. Um, and it just works <laughs> to the point to where you're just like, man, this is what I've always wanted to see from these kind of movies. Um, so I'll kick it back to you, Dane. Do you kind of feel the idea of, you know, what do you think about what I was saying about it being genreless? And do you think he's started something that a lot more horror films should take? To where it's like it's not either or; it's a healthy blend of suspense and horror. Originality is something that horror has been lacking for a very long time, um, due to the popularity of the slasher films, then due to the popularity of, say, the shaky cam horror, then due to the popularity of, say, the ghosts, uh, usually stemming to Japanese horror movies, remaking them like The Ring, and and, and there's been trends within horror. Uh, also, the uh, the '90s slasher films. Um, you know, I, I, I think that it's good to bring back an older style in the sense of, if you look at what James Wan started doing, uh, with the conjuring and with insidious, and then seeing other movies kind of take a, a different direction, more, you know, a different perspective and go down that, you know, with get out or it follows. Um, and I forgot what Dr. Strange's director was known for, um, I can't remember, but those type of horror movies, even Josh Whedon, who kind of has, I think, a similar, well, not Josh Whedon, but uh, his buddy, um, Drew Goddard, I should say, uh, when he made Cabin in the Woods, that's someone that Jordan Peele kind of shares a similar style with. But those horror movies still can be scary. They still can be demented. Uh, Freddie Alvarez is a good example of another great modern horror director. Um, They're just taking it in a different direction. And I like that. Uh, they're, they're doing certain things from old ones, but I think the last big, you know, horror 
style trend was everything stemming with the torture horror movies, and I got kind of sick of that. Uh, you kind of mentioned that beforehand. It just it got played out. So seeing these directors really try different things, and um, I, I, I think I think that they're bringing back a, a level of legitimacy to the horror genre where it's not just a joke. And um, I think that's really good. And, and with this, I was wondering, you know, I can't remember for the life of me because it's been a minute since I saw Get Out. But, you know, with the hypnotizing, wasn't there like a level, correct me if I'm wrong, of like voodoo or some type of supernatural element? I'm wondering another thing besides aliens, demons, mental, you know, something where it's in their mind and, you know, what we're seeing is not exactly it. Another thing that could be it is some type of witchcraft element uh, within it as well. So I'm just wondering what direction Jordan's going to take it in. Yeah, I mean, I put Jordan's name up there as far as horror guys. Um, uh, I put him up there with, uh, I'm a huge fan, obviously, of James Wan. I love Saw, the first one, obviously not all seven. I'd say maybe about four of them, Um, maybe three. Four is maybe too many. Um, even though he only did the first one. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that. James Wan only did the first Saw. He didn't do all seven. He didn't do two, three, four. Um, also, I put up there, um, excuse me, uh, I'm completely forgetting his mm-hmm. name, who did Hostel. Um, huge fan of the guy who did Hostel. I thought that was, say it again? Eli Roth. Yes, Eli Roth. Thank you. Eli Roth, to me, Dave, my biggest issue with Eli Roth is I feel as though through all of his movies that he's done that, that are in, like, this horror genre, I didn't see any growth. Like, I feel as though Hostel feels the same as the, the movie where they went to this island where, like, the Native Americans were, like, peeling their skin. Like, it just all feels the same with, with, uh, to me with Eli Roth, who I know can expand um, his level of uh, diversity in, in creating movies. But um, I still think Hostel is a classic, the first one. Still a classic. Um, but yeah, Jordan is issuing in a new era, uh, because I think Juan entered a new era with Saul. No one was really doing what Saul was doing, uh, a creative story, a suspenseful, uh, movie, uh, great acting, and then a twist at the end. Um, it just all started to, to build to where that was, I think Saul is a classic, but yeah, Jordan is issuing in a new era of, uh, horror, and I can't wait, like, I can't wait to see what else he does. Um, and I hope that this is a success in a sense to where maybe we might start seeing Jordan branch off doing, you know, superhero movies or gargoyle. Like, it just opens the door for a lot um, if yeah. all of his projects are, are successful. Uh, but, yeah, no, I know, Dane, you, you want a gargoyle movie just as much as I do. Well, that's that's kind of what I was getting at. And, by the way, before we go into that um, – one to mention, since I couldn't remember his name, uh, uh, Scott Derrickson, who made Doctor Strange, made Sinister and The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Another person I would like to give credit for changing up horror uh, recently in the last couple of years. But yeah, so Jordan Peele's gone on. Um, and I should say, I, the thing is, I haven't read a direct quote, but I'm pretty sure from m- multiple resources, he said that he would love to do a Gargoyles movie uh, for Disney. And I really, really feel with being a kid of the 90s, there was two shows that stand out to me, and I actually have both of them on my Xbox uh, as an app to be able to watch them. 
but one was Batman Animated Series, and the other one was Gargoyles. In in the sense that it dealt with adult topics, it was still a kids' cartoon, so it wasn't you know one of those like late night stuff like say The Simpsons or anything like that. But it didn't you know dumb it down. It it made you think. And Gargoyles dealt with stuff as far as drug addiction, um, you know, um, gun gun issues. Uh, Brooklyn, an episode, I think, shot Hudson on accident playing with a gun. Uh, racism. Yeah. And very intelligent uh, stuff, you know, that, that a lot of cartoons just weren't doing. A lot of them weren't. They weren't picking up on that type of stuff. So Gargoyles is a great show. If you get a great cast for that and don't do them like the Michael Bade uh, Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Don't turn you know, actually put some intelligence into it, some darkness, and allow it to kind of grow off of the, mytholo- the, the mythology of it, you know, whether it be the Shakespeare part or the Norse mythology, really engulf that and get a, I would say, a majority cast of, of color uh, to make up the cast because I always perceive them that way, and I'm a Caucasian male when I was younger. I mean, for the fact that David um, – can't remember his his name, but he did the voice of Goliath. It kind of just Keith David. It kind of just went with it. Um, but yeah, and then you get a great person to play the Lex Luthor of of it, like Xanatos, awesome villain, complete sociopath. Um, and you just have you have a lot to work with. If you give Jordan Peele a great budget and let him develop something like this, he would understand the sense of humor. He would understand the darkness. And I think that you know, given the fact of the Russo brothers in the past and a lot of other directors showing that they can do multiple genres and not be pigeonholed to just, you know, comedy, I think he could do the action if he was given the proper, you know, budget. So uh, that's something that I know is much minor to a lot of people because it's not, it doesn't have as big of a name value as it once did. But still, if they put money into it, Jordan Peele could make that franchise huge. And I still have to say Idris Elba for Goliath. That's all I have to say. That I'm done. Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I'm right with you, man. Uh, Jordan definitely could take. Uh, I mean, he's been working with a um, not too big of a budget for um, for us, and then for um, Get Out. Uh, but we saw James Wan go from doing movies like Saw, uh, Death Sentence, uh, and a whole bunch of other different movies to doing Aquaman. Um, so it's not like it can't be done. I mean, uh, Russo Brothers, same thing. So just Disney. Give it to Jordan. Let him make you another billion dollars in in your box. You know, Jordan. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's also how I feel about. You know, I I suggested that they give the Duffer Brothers or the chance to do X Men or potentially even Fantastic Four. And I've heard a lot yeah. of people say, well, they're only used to doing Stranger Things. You got to think outside the box with that. I think Arrested Development. You know, with the Russo brothers comparing to all the amazing Marvel movies, the, if, if you give them more funding and you give them a huge team to work with and build this world, their creative mind will be able to do whatever, no matter what. For a Jordan Peele, for a Russo Brothers, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the funniest thing is go from uh, Arrested Development to um, Winter Soldier. The tones are drastically different. Like, I didn't get that many ha-ha-ha moments from Winter Soldier because it was supposed well, to be a very the most serious, serious Marvel movies. Yeah. So, I mean, and a lot of people quite like me and you, Dane, put it up there with The Dark Knight as, uh, in a sense yeah. of it being a complete movie. Like, it's a really good complete movie. Um, 
<clears throat> All right. Before we go any further, let us bring in uh, our amazing writer, uh, Tia. Tia, what's going on, Tia? Hey, good morning. How are you guys? <laughs> good. I Happy mean, to join. we've been talking. We've been talking for like it feels like forever, and I'm like I don't want to forget <laughs> to add you in, and then we just keep going. Uh, did you want to uh, give us your thoughts on the the trailer, uh, us? Um, I am just going to say that I have been sitting here for the past 10 minutes, and that's not a complaint. I'm saying that I've been listening in on the things that you, Juwan, and Dane have been talking about as far as us, and I think you both covered it excellently, so I don't even know if that's a word, but you covered it very well, and I'm just really excited for it. Jordan Peele really just expanded my horizons as far as what he can do with Get Out. Prior to that, all I really knew him for was the Key and Peele uh, comedic duo that he has. And really with Get Out, I just thought that was something so new in the cinematic world. So to have um, us now as the latest Jordan Peele movie that's coming out, I mean, we have Winston Duke, Lupita Nyong'o. It's going to be really fantastic. Um, I don't know what else I could comment on because you two did such a wonderful job doing so. I'm just very, very excited for us. I think that's something that really is going to be great in the box office. And if we can remember, Jordan Peele is also helming the new Twilight Zone that's coming out. So really, he is making this transition. He's making this transition from comedy into horror and mystery and suspense where people probably didn't think that he rightfully belongs. And he is taking his expertise and taking his talent and showing how the the horror franchise needs someone like him to really just make better because we've had the same old, same old for so long. How many um, paranormal activity type of movies are we going to have, you know? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this it, it's funny because everyone always says, "Oh, I only knew Jordan Peele from um from uh, uh the Key and Peele show." I'm like, "Geez, like I only knew <laughs> both of those guys from Mad TV." Like, I mean, I remember when I was younger, oh, I never watched yeah. <laughs> Saturday Night Live. I only watched Mad TV, um, and Mad TV was my everything. Ari Spears, um. Uh, the lady who voices uh, Lois on Family Guy, like just so many of, of what I think were great comedians at the time, Michael McDonald, uh, Mike McDonald, uh, so many great comedians at the time uh, came from that that are now starting to blossom like uh, Jordan Peele. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, it, like I said, it just it opens the doors for so much, and he's definitely forward-thinking and uh, pushing things forward with uh, his movies so far, so... And the biggest thing that I was saying that I thought us had to do with race was because Get Out was driven by race. Um, so I didn't think it was out of the realm of possibility to think that this trailer was, had something to do with race. But like I said, I can't argue with the director because it's his movie. So I'm pretty sure he knows what his movie is about. Um, so I'll just wait to see it in theaters uh, to really get the full message of what he's trying to deliver from that. But all right, let's move on. Let's talk our last trailer of Trailer Talk, Triple Frontier. Um, if you told me 
Ben Affleck was in a movie. I tell you, I'm sold. Don't even need any more details. You guys know how much I love Ben. I'm in. Uh, but then when you tell me Oscar Isaac, Charlie Hunnam, uh, uh, Pedro Pascal, like all these other names, I'm like, whoa, there's no way they're all in the same movie. But, yeah, they are. Garrett, uh, Garrett Hudlin, the guy who I will forever push as Green Arrow. The two guys that I want to be Green Arrow are both in this movie. Uh, <laughs> very funny. Um, but yeah, this, this movie looks insane. Uh, it looks like it's nonstop action. It looks like it's, you know, top, top of the notch, uh, acting. I will say Netflix is, uh, if they continue this, all they are doing is just adding more and more and more class of movies to, uh, their streaming service. I mean, we also can't forget Dane, me and you have been waiting for this since we first heard of it being, uh, uh, created the Martin Scorsese movie with Robert De Niro yep. and Joe Pesci. We still have heard nothing about it, got no trailer. Um, I know me and you are super hyped well, <laughs> for that. They're, they finished filming. I know they finished filming, and it's it's what takes the longest time with that movie, with The Fisherman. I think it's The Fisherman. Could be wrong. Um, was since they're doing it throughout a course of time, and they had to use age-reducing technology, uh, to make them look younger, that that's the longest process. But I know for a fact they finished filming the live-action sequences. It's just going to take about a year to get the digital process done for them to actually look aged before they release it and give us a trailer. I, um, by the way, the, the ca- I don't want to get too far off Triple Frontier, sorry, but the cast is crazy. De Niro, Joe Pesci, Pacino, um, Ray Romano, Anna Paquin, uh, Jesse Plemons, um, trying to see what other big names. Uh, that's enough. I mean, there are other names here, but that's enough. Uh, it's called The Irishman, uh, Dane, and apparently it's slated to come out this year. So we should be getting something soon. Uh, it's IMDb is classifying it as coming out this year. Uh, so who knows? I, yeah. I just know we definitely want. I would assume, Juwan, as soon as they get like they don't have to finish it, but as soon as they get enough material to show you hey, this is them when they're younger, this is them, like, be able to show you the growth of age, then, the, like, then they'll, they'll release a trailer. I would say within the next, like, five months, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely hope, because obviously it's going to be a late release uh, later in the year. But anyway, sorry, <laughs> me and Dave, this is what we do. But let's go back <laughs> to Triple Frontier. Um, Tia, I'll start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the movie Triple Frontier? Oh, the trailer, Triple Frontier. Sorry, the movie didn't come out yet. <laughs> um, so it's one. It's come into light from being a part of Geek Vibes Nation that I am in fact in the minority of people that really does not like Ben Affleck. That's just so. Anytime I see that there is something with him in it, I'm immediately skeptical. This trailer though looks really good. It's one of those things that sometimes Ben Affleck hits it out of the park for me. Gone Girl, The Accountant, really like those movies with him. And as you said, this has a fantastic cast. Um, Pedro Pascal, Charlie Hunnam, uh, Oscar Isaac. I love the whole, we were serving our country and now we are not making a whole lot of money because the uh, governmental, you know, government like sucks pretty much and this is what they have to do to survive and make money and make a living. I really like that kind of 
storyline, it looks sharp. It looks good. And when I saw the Netflix insignia on the bottom, I was like, wow, they're really trying to step it up because as we've seen, Netflix doesn't have the best track record as far as their movies go. This looks like something that could certainly turn their reputation around. It just looks really good. You have a fantastic task to work on. They all seem to be natural in their roles. It looks like a good storyline. It does look a little like things that we've probably seen before. I feel like that uh, plot line of former soldiers having worked uh, for the government before but being scorned and not making a lot of money, like as uh, it's mentioned at some point in the trailer, I believe Ben Affleck's character was shot five times and can't afford to send his children to school or something like that. I mean, that's a very real thing. We've seen that before. We've heard that before. It's most likely been the plot line of shows and movies before. But either way, I think that this is going to be a good movie. I will certainly watch it. And I'm hoping that if they continue, at least with the feel that the trailer is going in, that we're going to have a good thought-provoking movie, not just an action movie, but something that's really going to hopefully touch upon uh, real-life issues. So I'm excited for Triple Frontier. I just recently heard about this movie, and I'm liking what I'm seeing from the trailer. Yeah, this this movie reminds me of a movie I liked a lot, but uh, the perception amongst, like, majority of people, they thought it was trash. It reminds me of Takers uh, that I thought had a really good cast. Uh, Michael Ealy, Paul Walker, Hayden Christensen, Idris Elba, T.I., Chris Brown, uh, Jay Hernandez, Zoe Zaldana, Matt Dillon. uh, Just had a very, very, very fun cast. Um, And I thought the movie was was done very well. Um, It was somewhat like a heist kind of movie, uh, and it was just really good. Uh, This movie, obviously, I think has better actors um, but it still gives me that kind of action, serious feel to it. Um, that even seems like it could maybe even have a twist towards the end of it. Um, it just looks like a lot of fun. Um, Dane, I will. I want to direct two different questions to you. So one of the questions, obviously, is what did you think of the trailer? But the other question I want to ask you is, um, do you think this movie will be like The Irishman in the sense of this might be one of those Netflix movies that isn't just in Netflix. It might even cross over to being in theaters. Um, Or do you think Netflix is just purely keeping it in-house? That is the question, honestly. I mean, the thing about this movie, which you get from the trailer, it could go either direction. This could be a movie uh, like the one that you were referring to. they, They make these movies every so often. And there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, I'm going to bring up another example. Um, but you said one that was good with these great casts that are supposed to be more of a fun action movie but could go a different direction based on what they want to do. There was a movie called Triple Nine that came out in 2016. It was a heist movie. It was pretty good, but it was much more, I think, an action-style movie than, say, a suspense thriller in the level and the vein that a lot of people thought it was going to be. Um, but listen to this cast. Anthony Mackie, Kate Winslet, Casey Affleck, Aaron Paul, Chiwetel Ejiofor, Woody Harrelson, Norman Reedus, Gal Gadot, 
Michael K. Williams, Teresa Palmer. I mean, this is stacked. It was a fun action movie. You even look to something that's, a, that's an old uh, favorite of mine, Gone 60 Seconds. Same type of concept. I hope more for this film. J.C. Uh, Chandor, I've not seen all of his films. I've only seen he's, – he's got three beforehand. A Most Violent Year was a damn good movie that he made that had Jessica Chastain and Oscar Isaac and uh, David Oteluo. Um, you know, that had a great tone to it. I'm hoping for the same. I'm hoping that this movie is going to be like a Sicario, is going to be like, you know, um, a, a Heat-style movie, kind of dramatic, but really, really to the point, intense. That's what I'm hoping. And they have the cast to do that, but it could also just be much more, you know, much more fun. Uh, and if that's, if that's the case, that's great. The director doesn't seem like the t- style of director from the one film I've seen from him to be going that type of direction. But I also found it funny. I'm, I'm assuming that Charlie Hunnam and Garrett Hedlund are going to be brothers in this because they look fucking exactly alike. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it is, it is a pretty damn impressive cast. Uh, they have a, uh, a good cast. I, I hope it does really good things. The trailer was awesome. I like that it's a heist film, but it's also high stakes in, in the sense, like Tia was saying, they're all, you know, people, officers that have been doing their due diligence, uh, military or whatnot, and they've done a lot, and they haven't got a, a lot back from from their country, so this is a, a situation where they can make a lot of money. It's very interesting. Like I said, you're looking at two different directions. You're looking at something on the level of heat or Sicario, um, that style of tone, or something that's going to be like Triple Nine or Gone in 60 Seconds or the movie that you mentioned with Paul Walker. Um, it depends on what you really want. There's a lot of people that would probably prefer it to be like the latter. I'm just personally hoping for it to be much more suspense-driven, even Argo, which Ben Affleck directed. Um, and I think that it will be a good film to lead up to The Irishman because if this one does well, this is going to be – because I'm, I'm, I'm going to say the Will Smith Alien movie wasn't the biggest hit for Netflix. It really wasn't. Um, so they're going to get – they have a lot of money in funding for films. They make billions of dollars every year because of subscriptions. Uh, they're stacking up. They have good actors. If they pull this off, it is going to make future films look good, including The Irishman. Yeah. Uh, another thing um, – hold on. Before I go into that, let me introduce – we got Nick here. What's going on, Nick? What up, fellas? What's going down? All right, just want to let you know, Nick, it's me, you, Dane, and we have Tia on joining us for uh, for this edition of Geek Vibes Live. Nice. What up, Tia? Um, all right. I'm going to pass it to you, Nick, for Triple Frontier, but before I do, I wanted to respond to something that uh, Dane said, so I'm going to pass it to you in just one second. Um, no worries. Another, another thing, Dane, that this movie kind of reminded me of, uh, a movie that I thought didn't get enough love, and still to this day, I'm waiting on the sequel to it, The Losers. Um, something that had a really fun uh, cast. Um, and I thought I thought it should have performed a lot better in the box office than it did. Um, and I still to this day have no idea why that movie has never even been talked about doing a sequel. Um, and I kind of feel like majority of those guys are too big now to to even do a sequel to that. Like, well, that's I don't see Chris. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Juwan, it, it, you know, knowing the cast, 
those all on the cusp of all those guys becoming famous within that movie. Even Zoe Saldana. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got Chris Evans, who right afterwards, Captain America. You got Zoe Saldana right afterwards, shortly. Well, I should say shortly afterwards. You know, well, she did Avatar and then obviously the galaxy. You got Jeffrey Dean Morgan, who's now known so well for Negan, and uh, Idris Elba. And if they were famous and they would have done that movie, it probably would have done better because it was a good film. It was a fun film. Yeah. Uh, and now I just kind of feel like there's no way. I mean, cause to me, I assume the the uh, the money that they spent, the the budget for it, wasn't that high for that time. But I'm pretty sure, like Chris Evans is going to demand a lot. Zoe's going to demand a lot. Jeffrey, and, well, Idris Elba. Uh, to anyone who didn't see that movie, spoiler alert. Wait a few seconds. Okay, uh, Idris Elba's character did die in that movie, so we wouldn't really have to worry about him coming back. Um, but I, I love that movie. The villain was fun, too. Uh, but sorry, Nick. Uh, I'm going to kick it to you. What were your thoughts on the trailer for um, Triple Frontier? And I want to ask you the same question I asked Dane before. Um, uh, oh, okay. Um, just got your message, Nick. <laughs> I'll, talk to, I'll, talk to Dan a little, I'll talk to Dan and Tia a little bit more, then I'll kick it back to okay. you. All right, cool. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, but, yeah, so, Tia, I want to ask you um, – in the sense of the same thing I was asking Dane, uh, we saw the Bird Box movie, I think, had a theatrical release. I think it was a small one. It was in limited places. It wasn't, like, worldwide. Um, do you feel as though Triple Frontier uh, could have that same kind of feel, or do you think it's one of those movies that will just purely be just a Netflix movie? You know, it's hard to say because with the cast, it feels like it shouldn't be just a Netflix movie. When you see, as I said before, when I saw the Netflix logo on the bottom right-hand corner, I couldn't believe it because this certainly seems like a movie that should be um, on the big screen. And it would probably be, be within their best interest to then bring it to the actual movie theaters. I think that would work out really well for them um, and really kind of create more uh, positivity for Netflix with their original movies. I forget which director it was. I almost want to say it was Steven Spielberg, who pretty much says that streaming uh, services who come out with movies, their movies should not be considered for things like Oscars and awards like that. So if you had good movies like Triple Frontier that originate on Netflix and generate enough good buzz, it could kind of hate to say this, but uh, kind of show up a director like that and say, hey, these are good movies and good quality can be made from, from like Netflix. Yeah, I feel like, I mean, we've had a lot of directors who, um, who've had a lot to say about like, oh, superhero movies shouldn't be uh, in the Oscars or Netflix movies should just stay there. They shouldn't be not. I just feel like whenever they say that, they just feel threatened. Um, and it's just like, dude, why, why not? Like, I mean, come, first of all, if Triple Frontier was nominated, I'm pretty sure we all can agree they would find a way to make some uh, weird movie win over it, even if we thought it was worthy enough to win. So it's not even like it's going to beat you out, um, Steven Spielberg. So it's like, I, get, I can, get over yourself. Go ahead. I can promise <laughs> I can promise you that won't happen with the Irishman, though. They're they're going to be begging for that movie to come to you know, come Oscar yeah. season. That that's Absolutely. one thing. There's 
that anyone could say, even if it's a streaming movie. That's, but it, but there is a rule, though, technically, if it's supposed to be considered for Oscars, it's got to go to a theatrical release, I believe, is the rule. So yeah. if that's the case, get it in theaters for the amount of theaters that it needs to. People will still go and see it, and then just release it online and let people do that. So if it has to have a theatrical release to be taken seriously by the Academy – and not taken seriously as in like, you know, them liking the film based on a preconceived notion, but you know, it has to if that's a stipulation basically, and that's what they gotta do. Yeah, I mean I feel like Netflix will um if they feel uh good enough about uh Triple Frontier or the Irishman, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Netflix would like to add Oscars to a list of their, their accomplishments. So I'm pretty sure that they would they would open it up uh to be able to be um nominated. Uh, but that's why that's why I posed the question because I felt like movies like Triple Frontier and The Irishman are ones that do deserve a theatrical release. Um, but Nick, without further ado, I'm going to go to you, brother. What were your thoughts on the trailer for Triple Frontier? No, oh, dude, it's fucking awesome. Like the premise is super cool. The like laundry list of actors that are in this are all terrific. Um, like, yeah, dude, I'm I'm really hyped for it. Uh, I mean, it. Usually a Ben Affleck-driven property um, in and of itself, uh, I I usually enjoy, um, you know, minus BDS. Or, you know, (laughs) going back to, like, Reindeer Games or something like that. Um, But, uh, but yeah, like, I mean, he's a really, really good actor. This looks like an awesome movie. Oscar Isaac, um, I don't know if he's really been in much that I didn't like, like even X-Men Apocalypse, which I thought was, you know, probably the least impactful movie or just like the one that I didn't resonate with me the most is that he's done. Um, but even that, like, I didn't hate it. I just, it, it, was, it was okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm super hyped. I, uh, like I said, the premise just seems really cool. Like, all right, we're going to put a team together. We're going to rob some, like, the cartel, like, oh, dude, like that's that's some risky business right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, back to the actors. I mean, Pedro Pascal, uh, loved him in um, in Game of Thrones, obviously, uh, and and super looking forward to seeing him in both this and The Mandalorian. Um, and uh, the others, uh, Garrett Hudlund, very solid actor. Um, it probably doesn't get enough, like, hadn't quite gotten, like, that big role um, to really, like, put him on the map yet, but I feel like that'll probably come at some point. Like, he's probably from, like, your average moviegoer looked at as, like, kind of in the same light as Charlie Hunnam, maybe not even quite on that level, um, or, like, um, uh, the other Hemsworth, not Chris, but the other one. Um, Liam. But, like, he's... Yeah, but I mean, he's a really good actor. Like, um, I, I I really really loved him in um, uh, the shit. I forget what it's called. But he was in a, a Coen Brothers movie with um, with Oscar Isaac that was set in Greenwich Village, early '60s, Bob Dylan folk era, um, and it was it was I really enjoyed it. But his his role in it, he he maybe had like. Uh, three lines of dialogue, like, the whole movie, but, like, he's still, like, his his impact is felt uh, through his acting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's great. But, uh, yeah, man, I'm super pumped. Like, looks like a badass movie. I think you're probably getting a little bit ahead of yourself 
thinking that it, it, it's it's Oscar movie material though. Like, um, oh no 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 no. Okay. I wasn't saying it. No no I wasn't saying it was Oscar uh, material. The original premise I was trying to bring up is: Did we think that we could see it on the big screen and in Netflix? What I was saying was. If um if they wanted to, because Dean was giving me the qualifications for the Oscars, I was saying if they right, wanted yeah, to, yep. um yeah, they could open up those two movies for it. Um, but yeah, I, to me, I don't usually think something's an Oscar-worthy movie till like I see it. Um, the Irishman, I think, would be the the one <laughs> the one that I might go out on a leap and say could definitely probably be in that that realm of conversation. Damn, you're going um, way out if you're going on the lease. <laughs> uh, I mean, because it's one of those things to where it's like, I look at that cast and I'm just like, and Martin Scorsese's behind these guys? Yeah, it, it, it could be. I mean, it could be. Let, um, let me ask a yeah. question to Nick, just real yeah, quick. Nick, I don't know if you if you're hearing me break it down. I kind of said that this movie has been, and the fact that the director, you know, um, he's got a pre- at least the one movie I've seen with him. Now I can't remember it because it's not right in front of me, but it has Oscar Isaac and Jessica Chastain. He's got a good tone to him, basically, Nick. This is a Netflix movie. That gives a little bit of legitimacy, but I feel like you get a great cast like this. You could either go in a direction where it could be like Gone 60 Seconds, Nine, or, or something that's more of just like a fun action movie, or right. it has the potential to be something like a Sicario or, um, sure. you know, Heat, or, or something with more integrity. I would lean more towards the latter, yeah. Well, yeah, and, that, and that's and that's that's what it kind of just it, it, whatever Netflix is trying to go for. But the big cast is is a nice concept, but can still mean that it's going to be not taken itself as seriously. It just depends. Well, and yeah. like then you get a movie like say The Counselor, which had a great cast. Um, I, man, I forget who directed. I want to say um, uh, Ridley Scott, I believe, directed The Counselor. Um, so great director. Great cast, shit movie. Like it just it wasn't good. But I mean that movie had like Brad Pitt, Cameron Diaz, Michael Fassbender, like excellent cast. Um and it just it just wasn't good. Like so like I mean you just it, it, you never know until you actually see the movie um you know which direction it's going to go. But I would definitely think that it's it's not this doesn't this doesn't feel to me like a um like an action movie. Like it feels like a drama that has um, a fair amount of action in it, a la um, your mentions of, of like Heat um, or Sicaria. Yeah, and it uh, it was Ridley Scott. You're right, uh, uh, Nick. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that movie, yeah, it fell flat on the face. I don't know why, but anyway, uh, let's oh, move on. Because it wasn't um, good. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, when I say that, I mean, like, you have a cast that that good. I'm like, oh, okay. and yeah, Ridley yeah, yeah. Scott. I'm like, yeah, how did you how did you get that to really fall that flat on the face? Bad script, man. Um, yeah. Um, but all right, let's move on. Let's get into our 2019 expectations. Um, and Nick, since you just came on and we haven't heard from you, uh, you know, since you came on, uh, I'm going to go to you, you first. Uh, <laughs> thank you, <Dan. laughs> Uh, I want to know your uh, your one pick for most anticipated movie of the year, and I want to say you do not have to box yourself into um, superhero movies. Uh, you can open Work. it up to whatever you want it to be. Uh, but what is your one most anticipated movie of 2019? Sure thing. Uh, first, before I, I give 
this very anticipated answer of my most anticipated movie. That that was the perfect amount of volume, tone, everything, Dane, on on that. So just thank you for that. That was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but like it was just loud enough where you could hear it, but like it was still kind of in the background. It was perfect. Um, no, dude, everybody knows what my most anticipated movie of the year is. The wars, bro. The wars. Like it's got to be Star Wars. Like, uh, I mean, a, a it's it's caps off the this new trilogy. B I liked both of the first ones, not just the you know a New Hope copy. Um, and uh, I love that cast. Like I I love these characters. I'm very excited to see where they are and where they end up by the end of this. And essentially, like what J.J. J. Abrams is going to do to kind of um, uh, you know, bring this this saga to a close, this chapter of this whole saga to a close, and yeah, I mean, dude, it's got to be the wars for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people uh, would agree with you that that it, that has to be up there for most anticipated, uh, mainly because it's like you have you have the fifty fifties, so where it's like if you didn't like it, if you didn't like the Last Jedi, you're gonna watch this to see what it might. Uh, it might fix, or and because JJ is coming back, yeah, right. Like and if if, if Ryan Johnson was doing it, I think you would probably have less fans as, right. as intrigued. Yeah, right. If uh, Ryan did do it, it would move like the fucking Hollywood lot of Disney into the ocean. My God. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, yeah, will, you know what I what I think is hilarious though is um like that back when uh, like the second movie better than the first. Uh, well, yeah, I do like the second one better than the first. Um, Me too. But uh, but no, like the when when Colin Trevorrow was like out and like they were trying to figure out who was going to direct and they announced it was J.J. Abrams. I'm I have this distinct memory of everybody on Collider being like, um, you know, ah man, it, it it should be Ryan Johnson. It should be Ryan Johnson. Having not seen the Last Jedi yet, and then so now every time. Any of those guys freak out about the Last Jedi? I'm just like, oh yeah, it should have been Ryan Johnson. Yeah. I completely appreciate that. Uh, I mean, because that's that's the that's the mentality that today's time has, to where it's like you react before you actually see it, and then once you yeah. see it, you're kind of just like, oh yeah, maybe I should have held off a little bit. <laughs> so that's why <laughs> that's why not everyone deserves to to give hot takes because uh, a lot of people don't. Don't stay on it. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. That that movie definitely has to be up there uh, for most anticipated. It, it's definitely on, on my list purely because it's like, all right, if you're J.J. Abrams, you started it and now you're finishing it. But what do you address of what happened in the middle of it? Um, so that's what I'm most looking forward to seeing, like how he addresses what the movie before this uh, set up. Um, excuse me, Tia, I'm going to go to you. What is your most anticipated movie of the year? I feel like I'm going to be very cliche in my pick because it obviously is Avengers Endgame. Ever since Avengers Infinity War came out, I wish Endgame literally came out the very next day so I could have went to the movie theater and seen what the hell were the repercussions of what Infinity War brought to us. It is going to be, I think, the biggest movie of the year. You have, again, the aftermath of Infinity War, 
all of the, uh, first of all, we have Paul Rudd coming back as Ant-Man, which was one of the things that I missed the most in Infinity War, that we didn't have him. Captain Marvel is coming in. I'm just ready for Thanos to pretty much meet his makers when it comes to Endgame. I'm just really hoping for that. I know that there's going to be death and there's going to be tears and it's going to be insane. And in a way, I don't know where we're moving forward in the MCU, but I kind of do want this to be the last Avengers movie. I think that it would be a wonderful um, wrap-up to the journey that we've seen in the past decade to have it end in Endgame, obviously. I'm just wanting to know how do we get back some of the heroes that we've lost. Obviously, Peter Parker has to come back at some point. We have his movie. We have to get Doctor Strange back because we have a second Doctor Strange coming in. Um, I want to see, is Iron Man actually going to die? Is Captain America actually going to die? Who is going to die? Um, So Avengers Endgame is what I'm looking forward to most uh, in 2019. I know that, again, I am being incredibly obvious and cliche in picking that, but I cannot think of any other movie that I am more excited for than Avengers Endgame. I actually don't think it's cliche at all. I mean, I, I think a lot of us have that um, probably at number two. Um, so it's like, I mean, it's how can you not uh, have that, you know, at least on your short list of most anticipated? Um, I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest movies of the year, uh, obviously. Um, and I will say to you, I do think what Feige has planned after this is it'll be a while before you get another Avengers movie. Um, I, I think with Infinity War and with Endgame, we're lucky because there's usually movies, uh, a lot of movies, in between uh, the solos and the team-up movies. So I think what he's going to do is just focus on introducing new characters and then after a while, uh, another Avengers movie. But I don't think, I think maybe three four years before we get another Avengers movie after this. I don't think one will be very quickly made. I think we'll start to get a lot more solos, uh, new characters introduced, and then it'll open the door for another Avengers movie with all new teams. Um, so I think it will be a while. Uh, like, people don't have to worry about, like, oh, Endgame was just in 2019, now it's 2021, we have another one. I think it'll be a while. Um, but, yeah, no, like I said, great pick. Uh, can't go wrong with that one. Um, Dane, what is your pick for most anticipated movie of the year? Um, I'm going to have to agree with you. Um, Avengers Endgame. I've, I've been so following this MCU since it started in 2008 and been so fascinated that they were able to take some of my favorite characters in comics, bring them to life, and connect everything in the way they did. And they did it without Wolverine. They did it without Spider-Man. And they, they built something into what it is. And this story has been going on for now. It's going to be, you know, over 10 years. And I want the, the end of, this, of this, uh, this book, if you will. There's been multiple chapters for each, each um, phase. This is the end of the book itself. And then there will be another book that will be coming out to start everything off. If I, you know, I just... I'm a comic book fan. Uh, I guess I'm not trying to defend my, my pick, but like 
when it comes to Star Wars, and I've, I've explained this on air, Star Wars is one of my favorite film franchises, and I love film, but I've never been engulfed into it as much as comic books. So when it comes between the two, I'm going to kind of probably gravitate more towards the MCU than, than with Star Wars. But either way, there's several films I just have to mention real quick that I'm extremely looking forward to outside of Avengers Endgame. Uh, the Lion King, I'm really, really excited about. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the new Quentin Tarantino yeah. film, really excited about. It Chapter Hell 2, yeah. it blew me away as far as a horror fan. Another horror film that I think was really done well. It's the second one I'm extremely excited about. Uh, Joker, and then Zombieland 2 is another one. And I think that P- Pokemon Detective Pikachu could be a very pleasant surprise, uh, just based on that one trailer. So, all those, there's a lot of good films, especially if you gave the, or if you got the list in front of you that Joel made for us, that we kind of all gave him crap for, but at the same time, it's been a great cheat, <laughs> cheat seat. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great films. And then also Star Wars, of course. So, but yeah, Avengers, Endgame, I got to find out what happens. I have to find out what's going to be the big switch going forward. And uh, yeah, that, that's probably my number one. Yeah, like I said, dude. <laughs> That's that's a great way to go. I mean, because I think if you're a geek, uh, even if you're not a geek, I know a lot of people who uh, aren't familiar with comics at all that were kind of really angry at the ending of Infinity War that I'm pretty sure uh, they're looking forward to seeing, like, where does it go from here? Like, what happens now? Yeah, like, Um, their six-year-old was bawling, and, like, they were having to console their their children. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I, I told you guys before, I'll never forget seeing uh, BVS with, with my dad and when Superman died this little kid was crying and I was just like oh my god like I wanted to tell <laughs> yeah, him like, hey I wanted to tell that kid so bad like hey he'll be back like don't don't worry but like to that kid his world just ended so it was like it's crazy um, well yeah especially yeah. since he just sat through such a terrible film and the same protagonist <laughs> alright 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 Nick uh, <laughs> see all right. I'm glad Speaking about Nick terrible. Uh, in that situation, though, I'd be the terrible person like, Superman's not coming back. Sorry. <laughs> uh, right now, Kanan is, is, is building a voodoo doll of Nick and just, like, bending it in crazy ways. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Uh, my pick for most anticipated. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, my pick for most anticipated movie of the year is going to be very similar to what mine was last year, um, and I'm going Joker. Uh, mainly because last year my most anticipated was Venom, only because purely off of what that could what that could open up. Uh, and a year later, um, it opened up a lot because it did amazing in the box office. So now, you know, you're getting, obviously, since uh, we had our last prediction show of January of last year, we now know we're having Morbius. We now know, obviously, we're going to be getting a Venom sequel. Um so it opened the doors. It, it, it opened the doors for Sony to expand the world that could at some point hopefully be brought into the MCU. Joker, to me, um, is important because it looks like DC does not want to be tied down to the idea of having to do uh, continuity. Um, so I like the idea that if this Joker movie is a success, which if we go by what we've been hearing from uh, people who obviously are a part of the movie or have seen aspects of it said um, uh, Phoenix did an amazing job. He blew everyone out of the water. 
uh, it's important because we've talked about a Red Sun movie, uh, you know, doing a one-off on that or doing a one-off on, uh, which I would really love Matt Reeves' Batman to be a one-off, <laughs> not continuity, but that's a different story for a different day. Um, it just opens up for so many stories that, you know, we might, because Zach in his three short films captured a lot. Like, we now can't have The Dark Knight Returns because he did it. We now can't have Superman Doomsday because he did it. Um, so it's like a lot of what we would have liked to have seen, maybe either a one-off or uh, a movie exploring it, Zach just put all into one movie. Um, so it's like a lot of what we wanted to kind of see opened up or, or maybe brought out a little bit, kind of close the doors on. But like Red Sun, stuff like that, we can get one-offs on if Joker is a success because the last thing DC wants is for that movie to fail and then you try to sell a Red Sun before we get a Superman sequel. Um, so it's like a lot of things need to fall in their favor for everything to just work out. And, I mean, the cast looks like a lot of fun. The premise of the movie looks interesting. Um, and Phoenix being the Joker, from that first shot we got of him, you know, kind of like, you know, the music playing and then it's showing him in the painted face, I've been intrigued. So that's going to be my most anticipated movie of the year. Uh, purely because of what it sets up and the idea of it looks like it could be a good movie. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But all right, let's move on. Let's go to biggest box office hit. Dane, I'm going to start with you. What movie are you taking this year uh, that you think will be the biggest box office hit of the year? Well, I, I guess I have to say it doesn't really matter um, either of my choices because it, it, there's – I feel two obvious choices, and Disney's going to make money regardless. So I'm going to go with Endgame. But Star Wars, if 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 the and I don't think it will. If if we've gotten a lot enough time for for some of the people that weren't a fan of the last movie that just don't like originality, um, that was a shot. Um, then uh, yeah, it might not make as much as Endgame, but those two movies are going to make the most money. And I would say that I'm just I, I think Endgame has potential if – I hate to say this, but if we're getting to the point where these comic book movies where something like Aquaman could break a billion dollars by the end of next weekend, I, I feel like and, – and how much Infinity War made. I feel like Endgame is going to do ridiculous numbers, and Star Wars is going to do very close to it. But if Star Wars were to beat it, I wouldn't be surprised. But like I said, Disney wins no matter what. Yeah, uh, and what's crazy, Dane, is if you really think about it, um, you could look at Endgame, Star Wars, and Lion King. Um, and the idea of, like, because if you think about it, Lion King is going to make so much freaking money. I mean, like, ridiculous money. Um, yes, and Toy Story. So it's like, I don't know. I just kind of feel like as the government, like, they, Disney shouldn't be allowed to make this much money. Like, something should just, like, <laughs> they should have to give it to charity or something. Like, this is ridiculous. Um, but, but um, Joanne's a socialist. It's, just, it's, it's ridiculous because it's like they're buying all the huge franchises. It's like, all right, at some point, enough. Um, but, but um, yeah, I'm going to show to you. What do you think will be the biggest box office hit of 2019? Well, 
again, the obvious choice is Avengers <laughs> Endgame. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I just feel like that's going to be the answer for everything. Well, here's cancer, Avengers Endgame. Duh. Um, but, <laughs> uh, I'm also going to say that I think Shazam is going to do really well in the box office just because Aquaman is doing so well, as Jane said. It's probably going to break $1 billion soon. And this shining a better light on the DCEU with a lighter tone and the fact that if you want to argue that Shazam has more of an MCU feel to it, well, people love the MCU. They like that lighter tone that uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe gives us with all the movies that we have. So Shazam, I think, is really going to be a movie that a lot of people are going to flock to. It looks fun. It looks like a good time for you to go to on a Friday night after work. You don't know what you want to watch. You don't want to see something that's too overly intense. You want to go and see a fun movie, and you're going to take your kids to go see it. And Zachary Levi looks like he's having a great time. And again, piggybacking on the success that Aquaman is gaining right now, I think that Shazam is going to make a surprising amount of money in the box office. Do I think that it's going to beat even Captain Marvel or Avengers Endgame? Most likely not. Maybe it'll beat Captain Marvel, battles of the Captain Marvels in a way. Um, But I think that Shazam is going to do very well in the box office. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I think, and again, this, this goes to uh, my apparent hate for uh, Disney right now, but I think what kind of makes Captain Marvel, like, unfair is, um, like, it, it obviously ties into um, Endgame. So it's like, and it's so close to it. So it's like everyone's going to go see that to see what it does to set up Endgame. And I'm not saying that Captain Marvel doesn't look good as, as a standalone film. That's not what I'm getting to at all. But knowing as, as a fan, whether you're a casual fan or a comic book fan, knowing that it's connected is like, like no one's going to go, nah, you know what, maybe I'll catch it on DVD. Like, no, 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 everyone's going to go see that in, in theaters. I feel like Shazam um, might be one of those movies that uh, if it doesn't get really good word of mouth, um, might somewhat be affected by the fact that it comes out in a time where Captain Marvel isn't too far behind and Endgame isn't too far behind. Um, I did think uh, Shazam would have maybe been better going up against Spider-Man, mainly because after Spider-Man, like, the only other competition it would have had is X-Men, and, like, we all can really assume that Shazam would probably fare better against X-Men than Endgame. Um, but everything I'm being told about Shazam and what this new trailer is going to bring uh, really excites me. Like, I think this movie is going to be really good. I agree with you, T. I think it's, it's uh, you know, if it could catch a little bit of what Aquaman just got, uh, which is amazing because I think a lot, what a lot of people forget is Aquaman just came out. Like, it, it hasn't been out for months. It just came out. Um, and it's already charting so well. Um, but yeah, I think Shazam is playing on a little bit of dangerous territory on being so close to Captain Marvel and, uh, Endgame. Um, but Dane, uh, Nick, I'm sorry. Nick. Yeah, Uh, yeah, sorry. (laughs) As I said, I was like, no, no, no. I heard from Dane. Nick is the guy I'm looking to go to. Um, even though I probably already know your answer, I'm still going to go to you anyway. 
what is your pick for biggest box office hit of 2019? It's obviously Avengers. Like, it's, it's as Tia said, it's, like, so obvious. But you got to go with it, man. Like, okay, let me break this down for you. Avengers uh, Infinity War made over $2 billion at the box office. It made uh, $2,048,000,000. Uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens did surpass it by $20 million. But there hadn't been a Star Wars movie since 2005, I think. So, like, you have to put that into perspective. A lot of people hadn't seen a Star Wars movie in a long time. So, like, that helped drive the numbers. We've seen all of these superhero movies and just all of that, like, Avengers still almost surpassed The Force Awakens. You couple that with its only real competition being uh, the final chapter in this Star Wars um, series, which, again, is my most anticipated movie of the year. I'm super, super hyped to see it. But that being said, um, one, of the, one of the things, it, one of the real criticisms of The Last Jedi that I actually agree with is, and it's not really a criticism of the movie, it's more a criticism of hyping the next movie. The, the, one of the really smart things The Force Awakens did was leave so many unanswered questions so that everybody could speculate on it for two years uh, and, and, and like really drive the interest up to that movie. And it worked. It worked brilliantly. And then through people seeing the movie and, and, and just, you know, word of mouth and everything else. Like it, it, yeah, I mean, it still made over $1.3 billion, but it didn't come even close to the force awakens. Um, but I think that's going to hurt, uh, somewhat hurt, uh, episode nine. Like you're, you're just not going to have the, the crazy turnout given those two factors. The factor that, you know, we, we've gotten a litter of Star Wars movies over the past few years, um, whereas, you know, obviously, um, The Force Awakens, we hadn't had one in forever, and the fact that uh, The Last Jedi doesn't leave all of these unanswered questions, but, you know, it does is Avengers Infinity War. Everybody wants to know what happened. Everybody with a YouTube account is theorizing what means what and you know, what significance do each characters have and all of this. Like, there's all of this speculation surrounding this movie. And I just feel like that is going to be the driving force. I'm going to make a bold prediction. I'm going to say Avengers Endgame surpasses The Force Awakens. It's going to pass Infinity War and The Force Awakens and be the third highest grossing movie of all time behind Avatar and Titanic. Fuck you, James Cameron, you genius. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. I was talking to um, Tia and Kelly on, on our um, Black Mirror review that uh, James Cameron just kind of caught lightning in the bottle. I mean, he did something oh, yeah. pretty that hadn't been done before. Um, is what? Oh, you I mean I still to the making Pocahontas blue? Yeah, I guess that hadn't been done before. I was just about to say to you, Nick. I didn't even think the movie was 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 really that good. It was just Pocahontas with blue people. Oh no, it's 3D. a good movie. It's a good I didn't movie. Think it was that good. It's just not just nominated for an Oscar. 
Yeah, well, yeah. for visual effects, but like, but yeah, no, I mean, it's a good movie regardless. Like, it's got a good script. It's, the directing is good. The special effects are amazing. Um, it's just not. It's nothing special. Like, it's not like you know you, you you talk about like a movie like Avatar and you compare it to even like you know let's say a property like Blade Runner. Uh, you know, you take Blade Runner uh, twenty forty nine and you like juxtapose those movies. Like Avatar is like. A, a retelling of Pocahontas with a bunch of shit blowing up, um, and like Blade Runner is like this super introspective, like uh, what does it mean to be human and all of this shit. Like it, it, it's way way better of a movie of an allegory, everything. But like people don't want to see that shit. People want to see a retelling of something they already know with shit blowing up. Like that's what people like. So I Transformer that's movies how, are so popular. That's how, um, yeah, I mean, that's obvious. That's how Fast and the Furious is going to have at least 30 movies before it dies. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. Um, Still, they need to get Jason Momoa, man. I'll go see one of those fucking movies again if they get Jason Momoa. <laughs> I would go see one of the, I would go see one of those movies if Jason Momoa was the car. Like, he was the voice of the car, like Knight Rider. Like, that would really would you me do that? Him to spin movie. That makes absolutely no sense. Know. You take away all of his charm and, like, because, his facial expressions and, like, like, I don't care if you're gay or not, like, or a woman or not or whatever. Like, it, it's it's not a bad thing, like, looking at Jason Momoa on a screen. Like, just, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, Juwan, no one wants to hear Jason Momoa. People want to yeah. see Jason Momoa. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, I'll tell you what. Have him voice the car, and on the hood of the car is him, like, uh, uh, full body is on the hood of the car. Do that. I'm fine with that. Anyway. Uh. You're, you're so <laughs> this brings up a whole new question. If Jason Momoa was a car, what car would he be? I don't. It's rhetorical. I'm not Love asking for anyone to answer. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I'm going to say my biggest box office. I, I don't necessarily disagree with any of you guys. Obviously, Endgame is going to make crazy numbers. I just do believe Star Wars will be a lot closer. Um, than we think. Uh, obviously, uh, Avengers definitely going to take the, the box office crown, but I do have Star Wars relatively close. I, I don't have it being blown out uh, by Endgame. I do have it close. I do think a lot of the, the haters of The Last Jedi um, are now more curious with um, Abrams coming back on. Uh, they they want to know how the story ends, how does it wrap up. I, I do agree with you in the sense of, Nick, uh, the way, and this is why I think, Nick, me and you agree uh, doing this trilogy shouldn't have had three separate directors, mainly because the way Abrams set it up was to where he obviously was going to answer some of these questions. It seemed like either gradually over the course of three movies. I don't or, think he um, was, actually. but when, I, I, I think it was either in the second movie or I don't think the third movie was going to end and we still had no idea to any of the questions that were asked in uh, well, the first one. No, well, from from what I gather, from what I know about the the production of these movies, Abrams did not have like an I necessarily like a concrete idea of where to go for episode um, eight. He he did what Abrams does. He presented you with a a fun movie, and it was obviously a soft reboot, and then had his little mystery boxes throughout the movie of all of these like unanswered questions. Um, and fans just don't like what Ryan Johnson did with those mystery boxes. Like, I mean, the biggest one is, like, 
the, the, or the simplest one is like, why is Luke on this island? Um, and then people hated like Ryan Johnson's reason for why Luke was on that island. Um, I don't see his thing. I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I, I don't necessarily think there needed to be like one director to direct all three. I think Star Wars should have taken a little bit more time and, and charted out where they were going to go from beginning to end. Because when, when Lucas was doing the original trilogy, like he still had some shit to figure out along the way. Like for instance, like Luke wasn't always um, Leia's brother. Like that was something that they figured out along the way. Darth Vader wasn't always Luke's father. That's something they figured out along the way. Um, but like he, he pretty much knew like this is where it starts, this is how it ends, let's let's get it there. I don't necessarily know if they did that with this. Um it, it doesn't come across that way anyway. Um so in that sense I do agree with you. A little more continuity probably could have um could have served to have made, you know, you know, the the, the, the trilogy better. Um uh, and you know, just like not copying episode four probably would have been a, a you know a good way to go. Um, but yeah, uh, I digress. Just, just a little bit of communication would have been great. Um, but yes. yeah, I think Star Wars will be um, a lot closer than what people would imagine. Um, I, I don't sense a blowout. I honestly group Star Wars, uh, Aiden Game, and Lion King um, not being that far from each other. Um, but do, you think Lion, do you think Star Wars will be higher than Lion King? Because I'm taking Lion King on that. It could. I, it could have. Only, only reason – the, the point I'm trying to make is if one is over the other, what I'm trying to say is I'm not necessarily grouping them. I'm saying that if one is over the other, it won't be by that much. Um, I, I, think I, think, if, I think if Lion King does more than Star Wars, it won't be by an astronomical amount. I think it will be a lot closer. I can agree with that. I will say this, though. I think it will be um, – I mean, that's a that's kind of a subjective number, an astronomical amount. But I, I think um, Avengers will make a shit ton more money than Star Wars. I really do. Like, I mean, I, I – um, I mean, like, for instance, like I said, if you just look at what um, – in or I'm sorry, Infinity War made versus – what uh, the Last Jedi made, the difference is like seven hundred million dollars. Um, like I, I don't necessarily think it'll be that big, but I think it'll be significant. It would surprise me if it's not two hundred and fifty to three hundred and fifty million dollars more. Yeah. We'll see. I still keep it very close, but we'll see. I mean, I, to me, it's like if if it does, cool. If it doesn't, then it's, like, even more interesting because then it makes me think, like, if it if, if I'm right and it is somewhat close, that lets you know how powerful the hate for The Last Jedi was. <laughs> people are just so excited to see something that was not but, Ryan Johnson. But here's the thing. Like, even the people, like, because even, like, Dane and I, we have close personal friends of ours who, like, don't, like, not even don't like, like, they hate The Last Jedi. They're still going to go they're see Episode show. 9. Like, <laughs> they're still going to go see Episode 9. Like, there's, there's no chance that they won't go see it. It's just, will it have the replay factor? Will they go see it multiple times? It, it, I, I guarantee you this. 
it will do better than The Last Jedi. I, I guarantee you that it will do better oh, yeah. than like, because there's just that there's no way that they can make another star Wars film that is as divisive. I don't even think anyone can ever make a film that's as divisive as, as the last Jedi, but, um, but I yeah, mean, like, not I, unless, I see where you're coming from. Not unless in game ends with everyone still being dead. I mean, that might be the only time. Well, but we know that's not going like, to happen. What? what? Well, of course, but I'm saying that like the only time announced. I see something be more divisive uh, than, um, than The Last Jedi. <laughs> like, all, like, Disney's like, yeah, you know all that Spider-Man shit that we said we were shooting? Tricked you, motherfuckers. <laughs> done. Like, done. Yeah. Done. Uh, but all right, let's move on. Let's go into uh, least anticipated. I'm going to make this one very quick. Uh, my least anticipated is X-Men. I have absolutely no interest mm-hmm. in that movie. Um, it looks just like the last. Uh, the premise seems the same as the one before that one. Um, just nothing about this movie. And then to hear, I think it was Simon Kinberg say what yeah. the difference between this movie and uh, the X-Men 3, I see no difference. It looks just as bad <laughs> as that. I mean, I hope it's not as bad as that, but I have the feeling it looks exactly as bad as that. Only difference that I, that I have is at least in X-Men 3, I love Hugh Jackman so much, it made it worth it. Like, to see all those scenes of him fighting the people in the woods, it was dope. Um, in this, I think the thing that will carry me through it is I love Jessica Chastain, I love uh, Michael Fassbender, and um, James McAvoy. The only thing that carries me through this movie. Uh, but it is definitely, hands down, my least anticipated. Uh, Dane, I'll go to you. What is your least anticipated movie of 2019? Man... I guess I'm always the uh, f- apologist on this crew, but you must not have the list in front of you that Joel made because I can't believe that you would pick that one. Uh, I'll give you three films I don't give a fuck about. MIB International, Hobbs and Shaw, Kingsman the Great Game. I could care less about all three of those movies. Um, I Nothing really for MIB pertaining to the last several films. I mean, you can recast it. This is one of those movies where if someone tells me, hey, it's actually really good, and it, and it does well with word of mouth. I might go and see it. Um, I, Hobbs and Shaw, I know, Jason Statham uh, and The Rock. I love The Rock. I just don't really care about the Fast and Furious franchise, and even if you take out Tyrese and some of the other shit, still not going to work for me. And I'm, Kingsman without Taron Egerton's a joke. The second movie wasn't that good. I'm just saying, personally, like I always say, they've had one bad movie since this new run of X-Men films. One. So maybe they can end it on a good note. I don't know. I just didn't see as bad as a, um, from the trailer. I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of that. I don't know. I just, I, I guess I, I watched a different trailer. Uh, no, no. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, it's not even necessarily the trailer that did or didn't do anything for me. It's just my level of interest. Like, the, the, my level of interest in this movie, like, Apocalypse left such a stale taste in my mouth. Like, so, yeah, so much but wasted potential. that was potential. one out of four films. Five if you're right, including what, Logan. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that movie left, left such a bad taste in my mouth. That, but like, let, me, let, me, let me redirect the, uh, a question then. Are right. you saying that you're looking, you're looking forward more to the new Kingsman movie than you are, that the level of expectations isn't more so for that movie than it is the X-Men movie? 
I'm going to be completely honest with you. So you said that. I didn't even know a Kingsman movie was coming out this year. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I have no idea. Uh, well, <laughs> pass it to me next because I, I, I have something that I want to interject here. And I oh, will God. say, I'll pass it right to you, Nick. I will say, Dane, the only thing that has my interest peaked with Hobbs and Shaw is the idea that The Rock and Jason Statham are fighting Idris Elba. Like, that, that to me is like, all right, cool. I want to see how that That's plays out point. a little bit. Uh, but, Nick, I will pass it to you. You're at least anticipated. Yeah, okay. Because like, I'm going to agree with Juwan here. And here's why. Um, Weird. I, I definitely. I. I'm just saying, Dan. This. Let me. Let me get this out, man. Um, like, <laughs> I. I get where you're coming from, Dane. Like, if you ask me, like, what my interest level is for, I, I actually think MIB International uh, could be kind of charming. Like, I mean, I. I obviously, Tessa Thompson and uh, Chris Hemsworth like work very well together in, in Ragnarok. So I, I, they have good chemistry. I think that could be charming. But as far as the other two movies that you mentioned, the Kingsman movie and Hobbs and Shaw, no, I'm not going to go see those, but like I lost interest in uh, Fast and Furious, like after the fifth one, like, they made the one where they were like dragging the safe through Brazil. That one was actually okay. It goes pretty cool. Um, but like, I lost interest in that long ago. King, I watched the first Kingsman. I thought it was okay. Like, so yes, in a, in a vacuum, I get where you're coming from. Like, yes, I guess technically I'm less interested in those movies, but the fact that I am this disinterested in an X-Men movie to me, like supersedes that because I fucking love the X-Men. Like I was so pumped for Logan and it's not even, okay. The part of it is that, uh, they're, seemingly rushing the Dark Phoenix storyline. Um, it's a very, very long storyline um, that I don't necessarily trust them to get right, especially if they're just introducing it in, like, one movie um, and, and trying to cover everything that happened in the Dark Phoenix storyline in one movie um, or just the Phoenix storyline in general. Um, but uh, the biggest reason for me personally is because we know it's a zero-sum game. Like, we know, like, it ain't going anywhere after this. Uh, like, this is going to be the yeah, end the of, of this. Yeah, but the same thing And I, I just, I don't care. Like, I'm just, I, I don't. Like, I'm just like, okay, cool. So, like, I guess, like, it, it, that, that I would like to. That, that one statement that you just said, that there is nothing, we don't, there's nothing afterwards. I agree with you with there, but that's the same thing for any of the, the Netflix shows. I'm still going to watch The Punisher. Yes, and, and but I, I, I get where you're coming from there. I'm, I'm definitely still going to watch The Punisher. But, like, with The Punisher, I guess it's a little different because, like, I have a general affinity for the way that they did the first season, whereas, like, I don't necessarily trust them to handle this in the best way possible. I mean, the fact that Kinsberg is, is directing it, it's the first time directing a movie, like, the, the fact that they are, are taking a huge, huge saga and, and summing it down to one movie, skipping over all of the various points that got us to that saga in the comics. Like, I just don't trust it, man. I don't. And, like, I, I hope it's a good movie. I just, like, I don't care. <laughs> like, um, like, I, I'm... I'm probably not going to go see it in theaters. I definitely was not ever going to go see Hobbs and Shaw or 
um, uh, the the Kingsman movie. Um, but like, so in that sense, yeah, I agree with you. But I, I I'm just trying to trying to give a little backup here for Juwan because like I I do see where he's coming from. I will well, say this thing. I, I, if you're asking, really bad. I'm sorry. It really comes down to what you interpret least uh, anticipated. Because if you say yeah. that, you know, the way that you're saying it, yeah, that makes sense. Because you're supposed to be anticipating an X-Men film. And, right. I, and I completely agree with that. But I'm just saying, obviously, if you have a bigger list in front of you, there's got to be movies that you're just not going to see or care less about than, than this. And I have to say, I have to give them credit where credit is due. You said Phoenix is a very hard movie to do in, in, in the course of a film. I agree with you. But they did Days of Future Past. Now, they didn't do Apocalypse. I'll give you that. But I'm just saying, with this cast and, and what they've done with this storyline, they haven't done a bad job. And I didn't see anything really that bad from the trailers. And what you are saying about, you know, this being the end thing, it, it, like I said, it's, it's very much similar to Punisher. We probably might not even see Frank Castle like that ever again. And, you know, with the X-Men films, like I said, of the quality level on the films for the modern film, starting with... Um, uh, what what first the class. hell? Um, first class. It's similar to the Netflix stuff. I mean, you, you see, Daredevil is great. Daredevil two is great. Nothing besides the Punisher and the Daredevil stuff. I really think stacked up compared to it. So you had good things, you had really bad things. But you know, I I don't know. Uh, that, it's just me. But I'm not going to pick and say that whoever's choice is not is not the right choice. I'm just saying personally. I can't believe that there isn't other movies that you would be, you know, less. Uh, intrigued by, but if you're going by what you interpret as as that, then I guess that that makes a lot of sense too. Because if you're saying normally I anticipate X movies, this one I'm not based on trailer. That makes a lot more sense. But to me, that's not the way that I interpreted it. Well, if you're if you're asking me if you're asking me what out of those three am I seeing in theaters? I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I'll definitely see X Men in theaters. Um, and I'll definitely, I'm not going to lie to you whatsoever. I, I will be seeing Hobbs and Shaw in theaters. I will never, and, and, and hear me and mark this day, I will never pay money to see Men in Black. Ever. I mean, never. Ever, ever, ever. Like, there's nothing about that, that movie that makes me want to reach into my wallet and hand my money over. So in, in that sense, if you're asking me, then yeah, that'll that be the would best be out of those three movies too. <laughs> that would be that would be my least anticipated. But in a sense of what movies you should be looking forward to that I'm just not looking forward to, um, X Men would be that 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 movie for me. Um, but like I said, Daniel, well, maybe we should have had a separate been, separate category uh-huh. then. You know, I said maybe we should have had a separate category then. All right. Gone. <laughs> Well, I mean, you always know this. I completely respect that, um, you know, that, that you're looking forward to this movie. Because, like I said, I even said this when the trailer came out. Like, it's, I felt like this, this could be something good. But I also was of the grain of thinking that that, could, that cast could still carry on in the MCU. Um, you know, obviously, that's not going to happen. Um, I just, if I had to pick something out of the movies that are favored to be seen... Uh, this year, that would be at the bottom of my list. Um, I love how Juwan's like, point. we're going to make this one quick. <laughs> and yes, like, sorry, me and Tia. are like, no, you're, least, not. you're least anticipated. <laughs> sorry, Tia, go ahead. <laughs> it's okay, because um, first of all, I want to say, I didn't get a cheat sheet, so just saying about that. And second of all, 
don't worry, you guys will have a new person to hate and a new person to yell at because um, the least anticipated movie for me is the upcoming Star Wars movie. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Interesting. I, I want to hear more. Kick me, kick me off right now. I just don't care about Star Wars. Should I do it? Much. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Go ahead, Tia. <laughs> um, you know, okay, so I saw the original trilogy, right, back from, like, what, the 70s, and then I saw the prequels when I was a kid. My parents took me, and I enjoyed them. And then I went to go see The Force Awakens with my boyfriend, and we both walked out, and we were like, that was the most boring shit I've ever seen. It was exactly, like, a remake of what we've seen before. So I did not go and see Rogue One. I did not go and see The Last Jedi because to me, as much as I've seen Star Wars, for me personally, there is nothing that's ever pulled me into the storyline where I've legitimately cared. So I really have no intention of going to the movies and Star Wars uh, (laughs) Episode Nine. So to me, and I know that's like, oh, my God, a big, like, no-no in geek culture, but I just don't like Star Wars to that capacity to really want to go to the movies to go see it. So that's my hey, least anticipated of the year. <laughs> I, I have to each his own. Like, some people don't like fun. Star Wars, and that's fine. You must like, be a I, it resonates with some, not with others, I, I, and I get that. Like, hey, I don't, I don't really like Harry Potter. Like, I've tried. I mean, it's, 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 yeah. it's bores me kind of. So, like, I well, my question fine. is, Thea, uh, are, are you saying you're not a fan of Star Wars? Period, or you, you're not a fan of Star Wars recently? I'm not a big fan of Star Wars recently. Um, to me. Uh, so my so my parents saw The Force Awakens, right? And they were like, well, you don't get the nostalgia behind it. And it's like, no, 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 I get the nostalgia. I get bringing back Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and um, Carrie Fisher. I get all that. That's really cool. But I hated Kylo Ren. He was such a whiny little bitch. I couldn't oh, I stand him. Um, and I and I really just didn't like the character that Daisy Ridley was playing. I just, nothing to me. And I went to the movies with open eyes, ready to see it. And I was like, this is it. And it's like, again, there was so much that seemed like it was a retelling of what we've seen before. And not even in a nostalgic way. It just seemed completely like they were just, they didn't know what to do, and they were just recycling ideas. And I think there was even at some point where I saw a statement by George Lucas who said he didn't like The Force Awakens because it felt so much like a retelling of what's already been done before. And maybe yeah. this is because, and I, and this is kind of for someone who, as far as Star Wars goes, I really like the prequels. I don't care what anyone says. I liked Darth Maul. I liked Liam Neeson in it. I liked all of that shit. I thought that was all good. So maybe this is just coming from someone where it's like, well, you like that stuff, which I know that's like a trilogy that not everyone really enjoys. But I did because it was just felt, I don't know, newer than what we saw recently. So to me, that's why I just really have a complete disinterest in seeing the new Star Wars movie. Fair enough. I mean, only thing I can say to you, Tia, is 
uh, that's strike two. Uh, you made a comment about Ben Affleck <laughs> earlier, and now you said something about Kylo Ren. So that's just strike two. I'm just putting that out there. Uh, I don't hate you or anything, but I kind of do. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, no but my I mean, only thing fun. is like I don't I don't understand, and and I, I I'm not gonna hold this up here. We, we can move on. T and I can have a, a side conversation about this later. But I don't understand how you can. Um, like, hate Kylo Ren because he's whiny, but you like the prequels where Anakin's being a whiny little bitch <laughs> the whole time. Like, yes. But, like, well, again, a... like, we'll, we'll, we'll have that discussion yeah. in another time. <laughs> yes, we'll have an episode breaking down uh, the the set of uh, trilogies. Um, but let's move <laughs> yes. on. I want to get into something that I know Tia definitely is a fan of, and we don't have to worry about any bashing of. And that's us getting the official announcement of the Punisher's release, which is January 18th. Now, I'm going to just throw this in there really quickly. I've seen uh, the, you know, the the shorts of uh, the person that they're claiming is Jigsaw. Uh, I just want to go out on a limb early and say I hate everything about that. One, you saw at the end of season one. At the end right of season one. one, you saw the Punisher completely smash his face all over that glass. You're telling me he has three scars on his face? Three scars? <laughs> no. 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 Okay. I'm going uh, to jump in you, right Go now. Go ahead. I'm going to jump in right now because I actually had this discussion on the top ten where we talked about what we what we were most excited about in 2019. Obviously, the Punisher season two was on it. We... This is not going to be Punisher War Zone. We have within this world already Stephen Lightfoot and everyone else involved in the Punisher has already said that this is a realistic take on shit. And no way with the and I have watched the Punisher season one like thirteen freaking times, okay? I've seen <laughs> I see what he did to Dilly Russo's face. And yeah, it was messed up. First of all, Pretty much most of it was in the lower bottom of it, and there's no way the way he did to what his face to, to make it look like Punisher Warzone. No way in modern medicine and modern science was it going to look like a bunch of stitches going across his face. They, they have plastic surgery. We have all this other shit to make it. Do, would people like more Scars, yes, but I think the way that they're going with it is to be more of a psychological thing. And as Ben Barnes has said, as plenty of videos now have been released, this is not Jigsaw in the sense of his face. This is Jigsaw in the sense of him trying to piece together his mind because he has brain damage, he has memory loss, he's trying to figure shit out. And as I was talking with Ryan earlier, I like the freaking mask thing. It was creepy as fuck. I loved I think that's going to be a great thing. And the fact that in his mind, how he sees himself. Because let's remember, Billy Russo is a pretty boy. A one scratch is going to make him feel like shit. So the fact that, yes, he has a few scars on his face, but his mask looks like a jigsaw puzzle, really resonates to what the hell is going on in his brain. And I am... So freaking excited for the Punisher season two. When I heard Dane before talk about how this is probably going to be the last time that we see John Bernthal as Frank Castle, I know it's coming, but it still hurts me 
like deeply yeah. in my soul. So um, in a way, I almost want The Punisher season two to be pushed back. I wasn't wanting it to be in January just so that I could have a few months of hope before it completely dissipated. <laughs> well, I'll say this in response, and then I'll pass it right on to, to Nick. <laughs> I can't say why I'm not a fan of what of what is being done in season two, but I do promise you when we do our review for season two, it can't be two hours. That's that's all I'll say. Um, Nick, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on uh, the release date? Is it too early? Would you have, like Tia said, like it to be pushed back a little bit? And then kind of give me your thoughts on um, what you've seen so far on the promotional side for season two of Punisher. Oh well, I mean, I'm I'm cool. Like I I want it as soon as I can get it. So like, I mean, we all know the inevitable is coming. So um, yeah, just like like lay it on me. Um, but as far as like the promotional material, like I really like the little teaser they put out with like like Jigsaw and his mask and like having like uh, Frank's dialogue juxtaposed with with um, his dialogue and all of that like. It was it was kind of psychological and like and, and kind of like fuck with your head a little bit and yeah no I, I'm super excited for it um, I also heard that uh, somebody said that uh, Jigsaw's gonna kind of act like uh, Wilson Fisk uh, is to Daredevil as Jigsaw is is to Punisher um, which that kind of got me excited um, but ultimately like I I do want to obviously not get too excited uh, as far as, like, where it goes, because we all know where it goes. Um, but I am excited to, to at least get one last ride with, with uh, John Bernthal's Frank Castle. Um, and, you know, I hope that, uh, I hope that, it, that the season delivers on uh, exactly what we want, and um, I, I have faith that it will. And, again, Juwan... We, like, we all know you love Punisher Warzone. Like, fucking let it go, man. <laughs> but I didn't want to cut Tia off, but that's not what I was referring to. I'm solely basing it off of when he was smashing his face on the glass. It seemed like it should have been more than just the three areas that he had. I'm not yeah. saying it needed to look like that, um, but I didn't want to cut Tia off when she was, when she was uh, giving her response. But, no, I'm not comparing it to Warzone. I told you already, I, that's my favorite Punisher. My my favorite Punisher and my favorite Punisher movie. Um, so I'm already biased in that stance. But, no, I wasn't trying to compare him to, to having to look like that. I just thought he could have a little bit more cuts uh, on his face than, than he does. Uh, I will game. stand by Ray Stevenson as Cable would have been the best fucking Cable, dude. I agree. I completely agree. Um, um, Dane, your thoughts on – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tia. Really, really quick, I just want to add to something Nick had said, and I don't need to cut off. Um, ben Barnes had said that he compared Billy Russo in Season 2 to Wilson Fisk in Daredevil Season 1, like the vulnerability of it. Gotcha. And my response to Ben Barnes is, bless your heart. Uh, Dane, your thoughts <laughs> on the release, uh, the release date, and your thoughts on some of the promotional stuff we've gotten so far for Season 2 of Punisher. Um, release date's fine. Uh, I don't expect Netflix to try to like, they, they kind of want to move away from this. So they're, they're going to get this out soon. Promotional stuff. 
I thought it was fine. I thought it was a cool trailer, but I'm with you. Um, I I'm, understand that Dominic West looked like fucking Leatherface in Warzone, and you don't have to do that. But based on, you know, in the realms, like you said, Tia, of, of modern medicine and science, the way that his face was bashed in, it probably shouldn't look like that. And I, I think that there probably should be a little bit more – his face should be a lot more fucked up if I'm going to be blunt about it. I, I'm just saying, if we're going to be realistic about it, his face should have more than it does, and I don't like the mask. I think it's stupid. I think that if you're – and I know, Punishers, it, just like Daredevil, is, is in a world of very much of realism. But I think that he could have a mangled face, and that would be I, more comic accurate. And not only that, more realistic than having some stupid mask and having a couple scratches on his face. That's all I'm trying to say. But I'm sure it's going to be great. Uh, I, I will say, Dane, in – because what, what I try to explain when uh, – I was giving Joel this, this same spiel about me not liking um, uh, quote-unquote Jigsaw. Um, and the thing is, if you remember Jigsaw from the comics, the idea of the transformation from uh, Russo into Jigsaw was that um, Russo is this pretty boy, this super attractive, beautiful-looking man that had something done to him that completely deformed him from – perceiving himself as that super uh, attractive uh, person. And then, so like if Jason Momoa got his face all fucked up. Right. But to me, <laughs> if you look at him now, he still looks super beautiful. Like, like he just looks like he just has a few cuts on his face. So it's like, I, I, to me, you don't give that perception of Jigsaw to where – I get what they're trying to do, the logic of Jigsaw being a play on words of him trying to piece together things. But to me – the face, if you were going to touch it at all, has to look more damaged than that because he still looks like a pretty boy. Like, I see no difference other than, like, oh, he has a few scars. But to me, that doesn't make women go, oh, my God, he's hideous. Like, no, he still looks super attractive. So that's, to me, I guess, what bothers me the most. Like Dane said, he doesn't have to look like leather face. But, I mean, he could just look a little bit more damaged in the facial area is my only point. Um all right, let's move on. We got official word that, wow, <laughs> January 19th, we will be getting a Shazam trailer. Um, if you guys uh, haven't been paying attention to uh, Twitter and everything that's going on on there, people are raving over um, this upcoming trailer and what's supposed to happen in it. Um, I heard it, 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 it'll blow you away. If you weren't really sure on if you wanted to go see it after this second trailer, you'll definitely want to go see it. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you first. What are you looking for this second trailer to really give you that maybe you didn't really get from the first one? I got everything I needed from the first one. I fucking loved it. I know you weren't a huge fan of it, but I loved it. Like, like just the banter. Um, it, I mean, it gives you a glimpse into Billy as, as far as, like, um, this, uh, I guess, Orphan with a heart of gold, you know, type of type of character um, who, who stands up for the people who can't stand up for themselves, all of that. Like, I got, honestly, I got everything I needed in the first trailer. Now, I'm going to watch the second trailer, obviously, um, and, you know, hopefully it blows me away. But, like, seriously, dude, I, I loved the first trailer. So, I just build upon that and, you know, get me even more excited. All right, uh, Dane, I'll kick it to you next. Excuse me. With the release of the second trailer coming out on the 19th, day after The Punisher, 
Um, what are you looking for in this second trailer that maybe you didn't get in the first one? Or, you know, if you like the first one, like Nick was saying, um, is there anything in this second trailer that could really blow you away? Are you, or are you already sold from the first one? I mean, kind of like Nick said, I'm already sold from the first one. It looked really good. It it grabbed me. It reminded me of big, um, you know, I, I think this next one, it doesn't really have to do too much. Um, I'd hope it doesn't show too much. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more of uh, Mark Strong's Dr. Savina um, and and that um, aspect of it. And I would love some more mythological aspects, maybe or something, um, you know, or even like a hint that's, that's connected, you know, somewhat, somewhere. Uh, maybe more before with Superman and Batman. Uh, little Easter eggs in the first one, but not much. I mean, I'm looking forward to this movie. And through the holidays, there was a video of a girl that broke down, like a little old girl that's really looking forward to this movie from the trailers. And she met Jack at an airport, I believe, and she broke down while hugging him. This is going to mean a lot to kids, all I'm trying to say. Uh, the concept of you being able to become a superhero yourself, I think is a good message. And uh, I like everything about it so far. So I don't need to see the second trailer as long but I'm happy they're making one. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, by the way, uh, me and Joel, I think Tia, you were with us uh, when we saw, um, when we saw, what's his name? The guy who's playing Shazam. When we saw him like drive by and I like screamed hello and he like rolled down the window and said, hi. And he just rolled the window up. Super cool guy. Oh, um, yeah. I remember that. That was actually so funny. You fan girl. That so was hilarious. <laughs> Um, but yeah, super nice guy. So I am looking forward to this movie. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, give off the, the idea that I think it's going to be bad by any means or anything like that. The first trailer just didn't blow me away. And you guys know how huge I am on the whole idea of marketing. Uh, and the first one just didn't completely blow me away, but that's what the second one's for. So I'm hoping that it does that in the sense of just really getting my juices going for seeing this movie. Um, but Tia, what are your thoughts? On, uh, I mean, sorry, let me rephrase the question. What are you looking for in the second trailer that you maybe didn't get from the first one? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the thing is, so when the first trailer came out, you know, I'm not like a big comic book reader. I didn't know a whole lot about Shazam. So I was kind of confused by the first trailer only because I was like, oh, this is a DC. This is really light and fun. Am I supposed to take this movie seriously? Um, but the more I, like, looked at it, I became more excited. So I just think really just play more on the fight scenes in the second trailer because in the first trailer we really just got him discovering who Shazam is and figuring his abilities out. So if we could get more, like, fight scenes to see that, that would be pretty cool. Um, I mentioned before in my other show really quick, I had just finished watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel and Zachary Levi is in the second season as a reoccurring character and that alone got me excited for Shazam because he's so cool. He's such a cool person and I'm just really stoked to see him in Shazam. I think they definitely did well in casting him. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Uh, Dane and Nick, I hate you both, but um, but yeah, he does um, he does look like he, you know, I still had to get used to the idea of him being Shazam. Uh, would you say, Dane? 
I just threw up, by the way. Just want to let you know that. Oh, oh, got you. Um, I am looking forward inside to seeing joke. what he's able to do. It is all this is inside joke, by the way. I am looking forward to seeing what he does with Shazam. Um, I'm I'm a lot more open minded to it now that I've seen him in the suit um, than I was when he first got announced. Um, but I do want to go over one last thing with you guys very quickly on the responses. I want to know. Uh, we got a report that Batman the movie is looking to possibly start shooting in November of this year over or under that it actually starts filming this year. Dane, I'm going to start with you. <laughs> under. I don't, I don't, I don't okay. have much past that. I don't have faith in it. I, I just don't. I, I don't care. Yes, no. <laughs> Listen, as much as I love uh, Batman, I can't say I differ from you at all. Uh, Nick, over or under? I'm going to go over because I'm the ever DC optimist, and I just really want to see Matt Reeves' Batman movie. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go over. All right. The forever optimist definitely filling in for Joel, who I'm pretty sure would say the same thing. Yeah, no, I, you know, I feel comfortable that it could be coming out. It's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah. No, jo- Joel would lead with, Joel would lead with, I don't know. But, okay, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. Um, Thea, over or under Batman gets uh, such shooting in uh, November? Uh, I, I feel like kind of both. Um, just because I, I, I love the Christopher Nolan trilogy. So if they kind of like do a Batman where they break away from the DCEU and they're doing it like the Joker, it could potentially work. But as far as the faith as I have that this will actually come to be, I mean, November is a long way off. It isn't like, oh, it's going to film next month. It's no November. Do you know how much shit can happen in November to stop production? Um, It's more one of those things where I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, I think that's the best way to approach Sony and DC. But, yeah, when we see it, then we'll give you a, a better response. Until we do, uh, I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it's one of those things where it's like uh, <laughs> I, I kind of like it, – it's one of those things where it's like I feel as though the key for this movie to not have started already. And it's one of those things where it's like – like Tia just said, it gives me way too much time to think about all the many things that can happen on either DC's end or Reeves' end that this movie doesn't start shooting in November. So it's like when you start shooting and we see the, the video of you saying action, that's when I'll believe it. Till then, nah, sorry, not happening, not getting me. Um, all right, we have one more topic. Um, uh, care or don't care? That's what I want to hear from you guys on this last topic. Spawn reboot uh, will be joyless and ugly. Dane, care don't care? Uh. I care. That's a good thing. I think that's how the original comics were. They weren't really something happy-go-lucky or anything like that. So it doesn't so much have to mean it's a horror movie or, or, or anything like that or scary. It's just a gritty-style story. Still, to this day, the biggest worry I have with the Spawn movies is the fact that Todd McFarlane's directing them. Other than that, I've heard things. Yes, amen to that, man. I mean, one of the best things I would say he did is getting a guy like Jamie Foxx, but I still don't feel confident with him directing it. Um, Nick, uh, care or don't care? Um, 
I don't care, uh, but I do feel the same way as Dane. Like, uh, I, I don't care in the sense of, like, people making too big of a deal out of, like, say something like BVS. Like, oh, it's so dark and dreary. Like, you can't make comic books like that. Like, it's like, dude, Spawn, that is Spawn. So, like, you know, like, I, I again, like, yeah, I agree with Dane. I want to see... Um, I want to see it be like dark and dreary and be like this mystery where these detectives are trying to figure out what's happening to all these crime lords and Spawn's just like ripping them open and, and all of this shit. Like, no, dude, like, I'm, I'm super hyped to see this. Uh, and uh, I, I kind of will agree with Dane. Like my biggest, like my worry is not that it's going to be dark and dreary. It's that Todd McFarlane is directing as a first time director. Um, but Hey, if, uh, I mean, obviously he knows the property. So there's, there's that. That I think that's my biggest issue is that he's so close to it. I mean, it's the same reason why I wouldn't have wanted um, what's his name who created Deadpool to have been the director of it. I kind of feel like it, you need someone who's a fan of it but can can separate themselves from being biased because they created it. And I feel like when you're too attached to it, there's so much that you're going to want to put in. I don't want you shoving everything in. And I kind of feel like you might have a little bit of issues with studios, but we know that he's kind of doing this on his own. So we'll see. All I'm saying is you getting Jamie Foxx to spawn, I, I'm interested regardless. Um, right. See ya. Uh, care or don't care with spawn reboot being more uh, being joy joyless and ugly. I care. I think that's a good direction. Is that's the um, comic book accurate? That's how they should go. I should say that Nick brought up a comment about people complaining that uh, VS was very dark, and there was a big complaint in that. My complaint is never that DC wants to take a darker direction than the MCU. My complaint is that I literally can't see what's going on. Like, Batman versus, <laughs> like in, in Batman versus Superman, I literally can see. Maybe it's because I have bad eyes or wear contacts, but I was like, what the fuck is going on? So um, if you can make something like, say, dark but not make it dark, then we're okay. I don't care about seeing people ripped open and guts here, guts there. Like, Logan did it awesome. Rated R, blood, yeah. guts, all that shit. I'm perfectly fine with you taking a quote-unquote darker direction. Just don't turn the lights down so much that people literally can't see because then to me it's like you're just trying to cheat out and showing shit because I, it's like, well, you can't see what's going on, so it's okay. I, I can't see. Anyway, that's my big complaint. I'm going to explain about that all the time, but I couldn't see what the hell is going on. It's like watching two Transformers fight in a Michael Bay movie. Oh, my God. God. What's going oh, on? man, please stop bringing out Michael Bay. Oh, my stomach is hurting. <laughs> anyway. No, no. Um, when people are like, oh, did you see that Transformer fight, that Transformer? No, I didn't. What happened? Who was fighting who? I can't tell. Yeah, it's yeah, like I, I mean, saw it. I just I didn't see it, though. You know what right, I mean? I couldn't see it. I will say that. It's uh, like you can you listen see... to Jimmy, but you can't hear Jimmy. Yeah, <laughs> I will say DC with Dave Wonder Woman that. and Aquaman uh, have done a really good job balancing it being a somewhat more serious tone uh, with also making sure we can see everything that's happening. Um, so, you know, just continue that. I mean, I always wanted DC to be uh, an opposite of Marvel. So where if Marvel was joyous and happy, DC was more grounded and dark. Um, but I didn't mean that literally, Zach. Like, I, you didn't have to make it to where it was like after 20 forever, goddamn thing. 
To be honest with you, I, I don't even remember what the battering looked like. So, like, they showed the actual, like, photo of the battering by itself. Like, when he threw it, I didn't even know when he was throwing it. Um, so, yeah, thank you for taking it literally, Zach. But, Tia, Dane, Nick, thank you guys for joining me for the first episode of Geek Vibes Live of 2019. Uh, I've had a lot of fun with you guys. Uh, this is going to be a huge year for us. Um, so I'm glad that I got to bring in the new year with you guys doing this show. And I can't wait to do more reviews, uh, more Geek Vibes Live, getting on top ten a little bit more, um, and just everything else that we have planned. Uh, so thank you guys, and thank you guys for listening. And we will see you guys same time, same place next week. Peace. Same fat Bye. Hey, Bubs. This is Cal Dodd. You're now listening to Geek Vibes Live. <laughs>